We'll be reading scripture from Luke 24, 13 through 35 on page 9 of your worship folder. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation you're holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there these days? He said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped he was the one to redeem Israel. Yea, and yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things have happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb in the early morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going farther, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Did our hearts not burn within us while he talked to us on the road? While he opened to us the scriptures, and they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven, and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road, and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. This is the word of the Lord. It's good to be back with you. There was a new pastor that had moved into town, and a couple wanted to invite him over for dinner. And they wanted to kind of impress this pastor. And so she got out her good china, and uh, she got out her good silverware and cutlery, and shined it all up to make it look just, just right for him. And he came over, and they had a lovely dinner, and they ate and, and, and had good conversation. And, and after the evening was over, the pastor left and, and went back to his house. And, and the, the couple were in the kitchen cleaning those dishes, and she counted out her spoons and she recounted her spoons and she recounted her spoons and said, I, I'm missing a spoon. And so the husband and the wife went and looked around the table and under the table and thought, well, no, it's not there. And they went and looked through the, the, the garbage to see if maybe it had accidentally gotten thrown away. And, and finally, the wife looked at the husband and said, I, 
I'm, I'm fairly certain the pastor has taken that spoon. And the husband said, no, I mean, he's new. Of course he didn't. I mean, we don't know him that well, but there's no way that he could have taken that spoon. And she said, no, I'm, I'm pretty sure he, t- he took the- I-, I know how many spoons I set out. I- I'm missing a spoon. And so weeks went by and she would see him preaching and she would think to herself, I wonder if he took that spoon. And she would then occasionally look around the house, maybe under the couch, and see if it was there, and it wouldn't be, and she'd be like, that pastor took that spoon. (laughs) And so finally, after a while, she couldn't take it anymore, and she said, I'm going to confront the pastor today. And her husband said, please don't do that. She said, no, I can't can't go on any further. I can't sit there in the pew listening and preach knowing that he stole one of our spoons. And so she finally came up to him and said, Pastor, when you were at our house some time ago for dinner, I think you stole one of my spoons. And he said, oh, no, I just put it in your Bible that's in your living room. (laughs) Now, I will never do that to you. (laughs) If you invite me to your house, I promise I'll steal the spoon. I won't hide it. Now, when you hear that story, you chuckle. And then I think for some of you, you go, oh, yeah, that's right. Where is my Bible? What is it about this book, right? This library, this 66 books of history and poetry, of prophecy and biography, these letters that are written, these 66 bound books in this library that we, if we are those that are followers of Christ, say are the very words of God to us. And if you're on a journey in this way, perhaps you're thinking, what is this holy book that they keep talking about? about? What is it about it that frightens us so much, that gives us such anxiety, that maybe causes such shame in our hearts and our minds, that if someone were to ask us, have you read your Bible today? We would lie so that they would not know we hadn't opened it. What is it about it that makes us question our own relationship with God? And that it's so important for us. Perhaps for some of you, you have always had your Bible and it's been with you for a long time. And and you're grateful that now you can look at all sorts of different uh, um, uh, uh, translations of the Bible on your apps. And and you have it and, and you read it on occasion. Or maybe you even read it every day because you know you're supposed to read it every day. Or or maybe you're one who my dear friend says and reminds me that people have Bible wounds that they have in their lives, that they've engaged with people who say that they follow this book, but they've treated them poorly and, and, and they've read things about it on the outside of it before getting actually into the Word of God. And, and so they have Bible wounds and they're fearful of actually opening it up and seeing what it is. I mean, it's just a book, right? Just a library. This sermon series that we're in, we're talking about encounters with the resurrected Christ. 
And in this encounter that we see happening today are two men, or, or we assume that they're men. We know one of them, Cleopas is a man, is walking along and they encounter this figure, this person walking with them. And they have a conversation and we find out that it is Jesus who is with them. But I think there's a couple of things that take place in this encounter that are present to challenge us a little bit today. You'll notice that as they're walking with them, Jesus says, why are you so sad? And they look at Jesus and say, what, have you been under a rock? Well, not quite. (laughs) And then they tell him about himself. And said, we hoped that he was this person. And what does Jesus do in response? Does Jesus say, it's I, it's I? No. What Jesus does is he says, haven't you seen what Moses and the prophets have said? He looks at them and he says, haven't you gone back to your scriptures? And he went and he shows them throughout all of scripture what was concerning him. Now at that time, it's the Old Testament, what we call the Old Testament now. The epistles haven't been written yet. These biographies haven't been written yet. And he goes and he says, look, look at Moses. Look at the story of Genesis. Look at the story of Israel. Look at what the prophets have said. This is who I am without saying this is who I am. He goes back to their scripture and digs deep and yet they still aren't sure. They hear it And they're like, this is great. And later we hear them say our hearts are on fire, right? When he was explaining it to us. But it wasn't until they sat down with Jesus. They're in the presence at the table with Jesus. And Jesus takes bread and breaks it. And it's at that moment that all that teaching, all that thing that they had learned, that they had now been reminded of, breaks free in their hearts and minds, and they recognize that it is Jesus. And then he vanishes. Come on, Jesus, stick around a little bit longer, right? He vanishes. But they know that it's true. Now, remember, they had just told Jesus, don't go any further, it's getting late, right? Catch that. Don't go any further, it's getting late. Then when Jesus reveals himself completely, what their eyes can actually see is he breaks the bread and he disappears. What does it say they do? They got up immediately and went back to Jerusalem. Wasn't that late? Or it was so late that it didn't matter. Why? Because they had an encounter with resurrection, with the power of Jesus. And in that moment, they go back and they say, hey, this is true. And the the, the apostles say, yes. The 12 say, yes, it is true. He is alive. But they wouldn't have known that had they not known their scriptures and had Jesus not revealed himself completely in them. And so I think that's the first thing that gets revealed to us is that it's important for us as those who are wanting to know who this Jesus is or those of us who have an idea of who Jesus is and are walking with Christ, that it's important for us to know that this word leads us to him. And so it is important for us to know what is in it. Now, I know some of you are very good at reading the scripture, that you are diligent in your approach to it, that you take time 
to dig deep into it. But I also know some of your hearts are that way because you're afraid that if you don't, God won't like you. These men, when Jesus reveals Scripture to them and who he is, is not doing it to shame them. He's doing it out of his great love for them to bring them in. And so we don't come to the Scriptures so that we can do what's right, duty. We do it from devotion. We come to it to say, yes, I want to know more about this Jesus. I want to know more about God's steadfast love. I I want to understand his pursuit of me and the world. Now, if you're like me, you grew up in churches and places, and I will say my dad never put this on me, so it was other people, because I know my dad watches sometimes, so I want to make that clear. That you were a bad Christian if you didn't read the Bible. And so you felt a lot of guilt and shame about not reading the Bible. And you would try. You you would pick uh, uh, what you hoped would be an easy um, book. And you would start reading it. And you'd be like, oh, I don't understand it. Just put it away for a little bit longer. Right? And so you begin to feel shame about it. And as you felt shame about it, you'd go, no, no, no. I need to get into it because that shame is building so much. you, You decide, oh, I can't. And there are people around you saying, if you don't have your morning quiet time, if you don't do this, and you're hearing it and it's building into your hearts, that this duty is there, and if I don't do it, I'm not a good Christian. And so shame calls you to do what? Rename things. And we rename it in this way. Oh, Jesus pursues me, so I don't have to pursue him. It's not necessary for me to know and read the Bible every day. And that means I don't necessarily have to read it at all. Because it's not about what I do. It's about what God has done for me. And so what we've done is we've said, yeah, this is important. I'm glad it told me about Jesus at one time. I just need to set it aside. I mean, I'm sure I'll come back to it someday. When we encounter the resurrected Lord, like these two on the road to Emmaus, he uses scripture to reveal who he is. He uses scripture to help us grow in our knowledge of who he is. If you are one that says, I am a follower of Christ, it is not your duty to read this. It is out of devotion. But let me say this very clearly. If you are neglecting the word, you are going to have a shadowed view of who Jesus is. Your understanding of how God is working in the world and how Christ is moving will be skewed because you are not going to the place the resurrected Christ leads people to know about who he is. Now, I'm not saying that makes you a bad Christian. I'm not saying that makes you a bad person. But I am saying it's similar to this. If you move an ember away from a fire, the ember grows cold. The longer you go without being in the Word, 
the colder you will become towards your affection to Christ. The more easy it is for other images of who this Jesus is to wash in on you. God gave us his word in this way in order for us to experience the resurrected Jesus. And so it's important for us as those who are maybe trying to discover who Jesus is or those of us who have been walking with Jesus to be in the Word. To find a way for it to, to, to be in part of our lives. I, I at one point read the Bible all the way through at one point and I'm doing that again this year. That's not a humble brag. Honestly, I hate doing it some days. Uh, but in the process of doing it, I remember there are definitely books that I'm like, I don't like this book. I'm reading it chronologically, so I'm jumping in and out of different places. I'd forgotten in my mind, because I haven't preached through some of these Old Testament books in a long time, that Samuel and Chronicles say the same thing. And I'm like, didn't I just read this? And by the end of the year, I'll have read through the Bible, and I guess I could give myself a gold star. But if I miss the fact that all of this is pointing to the resurrected God, then it's done no good for me. If I get done and I go, I did it, maybe I'll do it again next year, but I don't have a heart that's been transformed to actually look like Jesus more and more, then it does me no good. And so hear me, I'm not saying, get out your Bible and read it every day. I am saying, Please, get out your Bible and look at it every day. <laughs> Allow the Word of God to move. But it's not just that that gets revealed in this story for us. What else happens? They're walking along. They think that Jesus feels like he's going further. And they say to him, don't go. And Jesus says, okay, I won't. And he sits down at the dinner table with them. And so it's not just about knowing the word. It is actually about engaging in relationship around the table with the resurrected one. It's actually about having our hearts feel so alight that we can't help but want to spend time. That when it feels as if Jesus is leaving, we want to say, don't go. And here's the great promise we receive in this. That when we say don't go, Jesus says, I'm here. I'll stay. I want to eat with you. How intimate is that? I want to be close to you. And even in that, he is revealing his heart and God's heart for us even more. That he says, I know that you long to see me. I know that you're searching for who I am. These men had hoped that this was the Messiah. And in that moment, Jesus absolutely reveals that he is. Now, in some ways, they've either heard the story or they were present when Jesus broke the bread. And so I couldn't help but recognize and remember. They're together. We are together. <laughs> We walk together in this place. This encounter with the resurrected God does not happen for us individually. It happens with us together around the table. 
When we commune with God and we commune with one another. When we walk in this place of knowing and believing and seeing the resurrected Christ. That because the word is made clear to us through the word, we then know that he longs to have steadfast, loving relationship with us. And he will never leave us. And he will never forsake us. Now, I don't want you to walk out of here feeling shame. I don't want you to walk out of here believing, well, I've done a terrible job in my Christian life and I need to really buckle down and get this done. Because I promise you, 99.9% sure, that just like anything in us in your life, that you're like, I've got to buckle down and do this, you will fail. You will misstep. You will forget. You will get busy. Hear me say this. The Lord is walking with you on this road. In that moment, though, do not feel shame. How awesome would it have been if that young lady, that wife who had thought that the pastor had stolen her spoon, had sat down that evening and found the spoon? I mean, it wouldn't make it a great preacher story, but that would be great. But, but what if after hearing that the spoon was in the Bible the whole time, she went home and she actually opened up to find it. And she looked to read and she discovered the love of Christ for her in a whole new way. Because she took the time to go to the place that the resurrected Lord would take you for you to know who he is. Knowing that these words in this library of 66 book point us to the word that is Jesus, that is made flesh, who died for us and is resurrected to empower us to live lives that bring glory and honor to God. Let me pray for us. God, you promised that your word is powerful and it will change us. And so the first thing that it needs to change in my heart is to not look at it as a duty, something that I need to do in order to be okay with you. But to know that I'm okay with you because of Jesus, and because of Jesus, then I, I want to know more about him and more about your love. And I see that in, in your written word. Thank you for giving me community who can walk with me and remind me of that. God, if there's anything that's from you today, let it take heart, take root in our heart and bear good fruit. But if it's not from you, let it burn up and go away. It's in Jesus' name we pray this. Amen.